What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On today's episode, we have visual artist R.S. Pickman. Pick is one of the main contributors to the visual arts website, Hallward House. And Pick is also a lifelong creator, and he loves exploring the darker side of things, yet at the same time, he manages to inject this playfulness and this humor uh, throughout. In this episode, he shares how at a young age, he was able to see that he did not fit into the mainstream of life and the mainstream of people. Uh, and he also shares how how that, that journey of wrestling with that and understanding uh, that about himself led him to ultimately find a true community of people that he felt very, very connected with and that he could create with. We dive a little bit into the creative process as well, uh, and he also gives some great advice to others who may be finding themselves on the outside of things. And a little side note, I'm super grateful for Pick making the time for this. Uh, he did this interview after being awake and working for about 36 hours going into this. Uh, it's a fun one. You guys are going to enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. I, I wanted to start because going through for the Hallward House, uh, there was a quote in the about section that really grabbed me. And I wanted to dive into this idea of magic, uh, of art magic, essentially. And the quote, oh, I'll just yeah. read it. You probably know it, I'm sure, since, you know, oh, I, it's, I it's should, kind of a big... I... <laughs> it says, the artist brings dreams into reality. Unlike other forms of what has been called magic, art conjures manifestations one can not only feel in a delusionary sense, but see, hear, and touch. Art is the truest magic. And some about that, I just, I liked it. I, I like the vibe of it. Um, but I'm curious, what, what does that mean? This art magic, what does that mean to you? Uh, I don't know why this is my go-to example because I've only drawn and painted a couple dragons, but, uh, if you want to see a dragon, who's going to show one to you? You want to see, uh, you want to see magic who conjures it. You want to see something, uh, fantastic who brings it to you. Right. And that's the artist. That's awesome, man. Now, Hallward, um, it's, it sounds like he was a professor, Professor William Hallward. Yes. Right? Now, where, where did you get connected with this thought and this idea of art as magic or magic art or however I'm saying it? I'm, I think I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> well, and, and there's the, uh, uh, of course, apocryphal tale of the, the Oscar Wilde story with Basil Hallward having painted the portrait of Dorian Gray that ages instead of Dorian Gray. Um, it would be an example of art magic. It's not the only one. Uh, yeah. It's relatively uh, well known. And it seems like I'm, I'm stepping out of my waters because I'm not even familiar with that. <laughs> I need to, oh, okay. I, yeah, so I guess if you could educate me a little bit more on that, because as I was reading through it, I'm like, this is a whole lot of things I think I'm realizing I don't know about because I, I work more in the the music realm and that's that's my world the visual artistry Nicholas who connected us that was kind of my oh, yeah. step into it and I even started out asking him what a music or what an art curator was for movies because <laughs> he had to educate me mm. on that but but yeah if you could dive a little deeper into that, that that for my own personal curiosity and anyone listening I'm sure would dive into it and like um, it. absolutely are you asking about uh, um, uh, the picture of Dorian Gray or about art magic? yeah. Yeah, the the picture of Dorian Gray and like the history there and how okay, that goes uh, into so Hallward. That's, a, that's a, an Oscar Wilde story. Um, 
uh, one of my favorites, uh, in which uh, there's this uh, young, beautiful man who uh, doesn't doesn't want to age. He wants to stay exactly as he is, of course. And uh, he's uh, his portrait is being uh, is being painted by Basil Hallward, while the character that I think of as the Oscar Wilde character is talking to Dorian and opening his mind to all sorts of uh, naughty ideas and selfish ideas. And um, so uh, he, uh, Dorian gets his wish. The painting ages instead of him. Interesting. But it not only ages, it shows every evil deed as he's done is etched in his face. Um, and it, it, the story starts out very much fun and it becomes uh, tragic and, uh, ooh, um, that was some other adjective that slipped out of my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, it gets, it gets dark. I, long story short, it gets very dark. Um, and that's a, a balance that uh, appeals to me, certainly. Yeah, and definitely looking through your artwork, like there is this darkness to it. Um, there's a sexuality to it. But it's it's interesting. I almost feel like a playfulness within all of that in your oh, artwork absolutely. as well. Uh, where did where did you first start diving into that? Or actually, let's let's rewind a little bit. Where did you first start with art, and then and then let's see how you you came into the medium that you're working in now. Oh, I've had to think long and hard about that because um, I don't remember starting. It's always been there. Uh, just um, drawing whatever came to mind. Um, uh, I remember practicing with comic characters, uh, funny pages characters like uh, Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Uh-huh. And, um, oh, Kitty is saying hello. And uh, Kitty cameo. Yeah. Well, he doesn't like being picked up. Otherwise, I'd show you. But yeah, he's a sweet. <laughs> um, I think one of the first artists I saw that really hit home in a e- even deeper level was Edward Gorey. Um, and it was probably, and I first saw his work in uh, elementary school. And it was maybe a year later that I saw my first issue of heavy metal. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm actually uh, familiar with that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, so Edward Gorey's work, you would probably know if you ever caught the opening credits of mystery on PBS. I don't recall that one often. Oh, okay. I want to make a note even just on my own, just for my own personal curiosity. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the most famous manifestation of his work. Um, I want to say he also did set design for a live version of Dracula with uh, Frank Langella playing Dracula before oh, wow. the film version was made. Before that film awesome. version was made. So it was the the heavy metal magazine that that like grabbed you then that, that style, that artwork and propelled you. How old were you about this time? Oh, I think I was uh, in about second or third grade when I first saw that. Okay. So you, Um, you dipped your toe into this world (laughs) pretty early. Oh yeah. Um, well, and, uh, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just, uh, the, you know, comic art and, uh, and that sort of thing. I, I saw, Nesferatu, the original silent Nesferatu. Right. Um, I think in a double feature with the first uh, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Dracula. Again, also when I was in elementary school and it just, uh, 
and it was something that was missing in my life. Uh, you know, I grew up, I spent most of my life really in like these uh, crumbling vermin infested slums and everything was ugly and at best utilitarian. Uh, and there was, even in the darkness of these uh, gothic horror movies, there was an, an opulence that uh, there was, there were forms of beauty that I wouldn't see otherwise. Uh, so I think that was part of my window into that aesthetic. That's pretty awesome. So for you, did you start trying to emulate this in your art or did you seek out someone who started to help you craft uh, and, and oh, really uh, develop your I, art form? I've had a lot of teachers. I took all the art classes I could. Um, and I, I didn't care for school. I didn't fit in well, as one might imagine. Uh, <laughs> you're a second grader, you know, <laughs> looking at heavy metal magazine. It's like totally yeah. out of the norm. So, but it, it's cool that it's propelling you down this path. Right. And it would keep me taking extracurricular classes rather than just bailing on school as soon as I could. I would stay longer because I wanted to have the art classes. Right. I don't remember what the question was now. I don't know if that <laughs> answered it. Well, just you had started talking about uh, the classes and how people were essentially helping you teach and, and grow in your medium and learn how to mm. use the visual arts. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it became a little more... Well, I don't even know if focused is the word. I in uh, I had the idea for a while, which may have come, I, I am embarrassed to admit, from the Bewitched sitcom. Uh, <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. It's all good. Uh, Darren Stevens, if I remember correctly, worked in advertising. And, and my young brain, I saw this and I went, oh, well, he's working in the arts and he's making a living from it. Um, and so the art classes, as I got into my teens, started to gear more toward... Uh, graphic arts, advertising arts, and it's a very good way to hone skills. Uh, there, it's important skills to have in the arts. Uh, but then, after I had taken years of these classes, and to the point I'm like getting a perfect attendance award for these art classes, uh, I realized I don't want to go into advertising. Just <laughs> after going that route, you're like. Mm. Yeah, just just made the the kind of the moral call. Like, is this really what I want to do? Is is pitching people things that they don't need? That you know, pe people people know what they need, and do I need to pitch them nonsense? You know, and right. use my work for that. And uh, oh, and I'm gonna bring this full circle. We're talking about art magic. Uh, I was raised with out any sort of magic except for the arts i wasn't raised to believe in any sort of magic or any mm -hmm. any uh, anything supernatural um and so i had to create it um yeah. and i have this need for it even though i don't uh necessarily believe in ghosts or vampires or anything like that i had to uh i had to make it uh manifest where do you think that need comes from is it something that you've you looked internally or that's right. And I'm curious because I, I see it all over. I'm more of a skeptic myself, but I yes, also yeah. see like how the world, like people long and desire for either magic or spirituality or something. What, like in mm -hmm. your opinion, your journey, where do you think that's, that comes from? Um, I think a lot of it for me is uh, having to do with the, concept of immortality and not having it in any sense and that we just we just lose people and they're gone and uh that that alone is maddening and mm -hmm. in a weird way 
these these um, these fictions that we see depicted in various art forms with uh, ghosts here or angels there and zombies even and uh, and vampires what have you. It's uh, a way of exploring this and not always and and very bittersweet at best a lot of it. But that yeah. kind of suits where I'm coming from with it. That's interesting. Well, that's, I'm fascinated by zombie movies. I will watch like any zombie movie that exists. If I find mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. <laughs> I love it. And I constantly had to ask myself why, like, what is it? Why do you love zombies so much and, and dive deeper? And I, for me personally, it, I, the thing I keep coming back to is that sometimes life just feels so crazy that there's a simplicity and just survival. There's a simplicity in the people. Mm-hmm. Like I love walking dead, following these folks, like, they, it's not all the calendars and all this craziness that is life. In a way, it's like they just have to eat. They just have to survive. It'd be a fucking horrible life, I'm sure. But it, there's like almost a freedom in it. And I, I wonder for me if that's the longing or if it goes deeper, like reaching for something oh. even bigger than that. I don't know. I no, I have to. I have to agree. I think that's part of the appeal for a lot of people. Um, I grew up on zombie flicks is not just the classic gothic horror which really formed the core of a lot of uh of my aesthetic sense but uh the more modern gritty zombie fair i grew up a huge romero fan um and then this sort of unofficial spin-off if you'd call it that return of the living dead is another one that had a huge impact on me right yeah, and those the imagery of that is is so powerful. But it's it's interesting to think of you. You're in second grade. You see this artwork, and mm-hmm. and you also sense this long. You're already having. It sounds like almost an eternal angst. You're noticing I'm yeah. different than probably some of the people around me. Um, was that like growing up for you, kind of being on the outside in a way? Was that a hard thing, or was it something that just felt like like no, this is who I am, and this is this is how I'm going to live. You know, I, I hear people say like, I don't care what people think. And I envy that so much. It's, uh, <laughs> I laugh because I, 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 I do too. <laughs> I <yeah>. envy it. <laughs> yeah. I, I care too much. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gradually had to come to accept, like, I, I don't have the tools to, uh, uh, fit seamlessly into the mainstream, even if I, even if I wanted to, and I did want to, when I was younger, uh, yeah, very, uh, very isolated in a way. Um, in a way, though, I mean, I'd find that the people I would connect with, those connections would be uh, so much more solid and meaningful. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Again, like, I, it's like you guys connect. You don't have to play games at that point. It's like, no, this is who I yeah. am. They actually like me for who I am. Yeah. That's awesome. Where, as you as you were going, was there an arts community like early on that you found yourself into, or did it take longer in life to find the community that you're around? Um, not so much in school, I don't think, but, uh, um, in early adulthood, it seems like, uh, a lot of the people I would, uh, connect with would be artists in one sort or another, if not several sorts. Uh, you know, I know, uh, uh, other painters and writers and musicians and dancers. And, uh, I could go on and on. And, uh, yeah, that just seems to be who I would, uh, gravitate to and who would gravitate to me. That's awesome, man. And when you're working right now, you were talking about your website and it's more like you, 
you have a ton of your own artwork on there, but it's also a collaborative mm. collaborative effort. What does partnerships look like for you right now in the arts world and and helping other artwork get out there, not just your own? What does that look like for you? Oh, I, I had bigger ideas about that back in the day. Uh, and uh, I guess I still haven't, I haven't abandoned those, but uh, oh, I, I, you know, again, I knew so many different artists. That, wow. I, I really love the idea of collaborating on a single project. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I did that sort of thing for a lot of years and I would do, uh, Oh, uh, you know, I, I painted sets for films and uh, uh, been painted back. Wow. Uh, and stage and live shows of other sorts and so on and so on. Uh, I liked the film in particular because you've got every different art form represented there. You know, there's somebody wrote the story and you've got actors and there's, there's music and uh, costuming and so on and so on and so on. So uh, um, yeah, I spent a lot of years uh, working in that. Um, But uh, yeah, ultimately I want to be working on my own thing. Right. And uh, so, I mean, I, I, I kind of miss those connections, but uh, uh, so much of what I do is uh, it feels like it's of necessity. It's just me hunched over an easel or a drafting table or whatever happens to be for the project. That's awesome, man. Um, now, kind of going back to the artwork itself, your artwork, um, again, I, at least the feelings I was getting was uh, a tinge of darkness, a tinge of sexuality, a tinge of playfulness how i don't even know the question I'm, I'm trying to construct is like i guess what does it look like in in your thought processes to bring all these worlds together in a piece if that question even makes sense <laughs> no, i've contemplated myself i wish i could say i have a, a clear answer off the top of my head i could uh, probably spin some yarn about that um <laughs> they're all they're all parts of me i guess that's the the simple truth of it it's it's all there um and i love uh, mixing and matching these elements um as uh you know every now and then i i contemplate doing something that's just entirely entirely bleak or just pure whimsy or what have you uh but the other elements would just creep in anyway they, and, they come uh, out. It's like, it's part of my personality is going to find itself in there. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Like for me, um, when I think of, of writing, like I, I can write some darker stuff. Dark. A lot of my stuff out that I've released is more on the pop realm, that kind of stuff. Um, but writing some of the heavier songs that I have or the darker songs I have almost as a cathartic thing, almost like a, uh, I've told people some of my writing is almost like me going through counseling on my own <laughs> and trying to understand what's going on inside of me. Do you, do you approach your work the same way? Is it a, is it a catharsis? Is it uh counseling? Is it uh, just an inward journey of healing for you? Is that part of it? Oh uh, yeah. Some of it is, some of it uh, has been about uh, heartbreak. Some of it has been about uh, isolation uh, some of it's about uh, injustices in the world. Uh, I could go on. Um, I could, and I lose track of the question. Again, this is sleep deprivation. What were we talking That's all about? Right. <laughs> and for the audience, he has been up for over 24 hours at this point and making time <laughs> for this interview. So he's been working hard. Um, but is 
your artwork um, as you're diving into the different subjects and the different topics, uh, is it a form of healing for you? Was kind of the original oh, question. Uh, oh, okay. Um, and I think that just finally clicked to me. What? Uh, yeah, I've uh, absolutely. I've had, uh, especially if I've been through uh, a loss. Um, and it's not just the subject matter, just the, the work itself, doing the work. Um, it, uh, it's something that, uh, it gets me through the darkest times. What, what does doing the work look like for you? What's your, your process? Is it, and like, for example, like for me, I actually, to do songwriting, I actually have to block out time. I'm like, here's three hours and, you know, try to shut out mm. the world this is what I'm doing for the next three hours. And here's, here's my goal towards I've I, over the years, I found that that's how my process works uh, the best. I've tried all sorts of things, <laughs> but what is your process leaning over the easel or the drafting table? What does that look like currently for you? Oh, uh, so there's a, a technique I've, I've used for a while to keep the distractible part of my brain distracted. And I can still do the, the physical work of the artwork. Once I have the idea that takes that takes some conscious focus. Once I have the idea, I've got the drawing done, and then say I'm going to apply paint. I'm, I'll, I'll speak about painting specifically for this example. Um, I'll put on an audiobook or some stand-up comedy or an old radio play, and sometimes if I have a sense of like how long I have, of like what kind of block of time I have, I can dedicate to this. Like maybe that's how long an audiobook I'll put on or, uh, hmm. you know, a number of different short stories. That's how long I'll listen for, or that's how many radio plays or what have you. Um, and so the part of my brain that wants to do a million things at once is kind of occupied with where the story's going next while, uh, my hands are doing the work of, uh, applying the paint. That is interesting. So, but at this point you've already sketched out what you're going to paint if I'm correct. Right. And right. that is, because, uh, that's an interesting concept. I've not heard someone talk about that like let's let's just put this let's give this part of the brain something to do <laughs> during this time all right otherwise i want to do every different art form all the time and there's only one of me and you know uh, uh a million ideas at once and again there's only one of me and there's only so many hours in the day so uh you know to have that uh, distractible part of the brain busy while i'm physically busy that helps Right. Now, are you collecting ideas? Are you sketching stuff on napkins and do you have a notebook? Oh, like what is, what does it look like for you to collect your ideas as an artist? I was just thinking about this. Um, let's see if I can keep track of this thread because it will come back around to what you said. Um, I'll try to help you get back yeah, there say, if we need to. Say napkin if I forget, say napkin. Um, napkin. <laughs> <laughs> I would show at, um, a lot of, uh, goth industrial clubs and kink venues and heavy metal shows and karaoke nights and you name it, just a, a lot of these sort of things. And um, what I would tend to do is bring a sketchbook with me. And even while I'm showing the work, uh, I'm, I'm creating the next piece. Hmm. Um, and once I've got the idea, like I might have a sketch that I don't finish one night, but then, oh, I know what I'm doing when I open the sketchbook the next night. Because uh, I've already got it started. That's Every awesome. now and then, though, I show up and I realize I filled my sketchbook. Like I have no blank hmm. pages, and it's literally whatever scrap of paper I can find. So I mean, I I believe I've been desperate enough to go napkin. 
<laughs> so there's been a few napkins on the table yeah. when you're you're getting rolling. But it sounds like for you though, the the creative process is just always firing. Each thing leads to the next thing for you. Uh, every now and then I get a, a blank spot if I and but it's usually when I'm not home. When I'm home, I've got the in-house studio. There's constantly too many different pieces in progress. So I can pick up any piece and work on it. If I'm out in an event somewhere, uh, that can become a little more challenging. And that's where it helps. Like if I've got a piece that's already started uh, in a sketchbook, if I run out every now and then, I'm just kind of, what am I? What? Okay, I'm here. What do I do? Right. Uh, And it'll come to me eventually, even in those circumstances. But uh, just sketch whatever pops into my head. Now, is there like a painter's block? Like I know... Uh, in the music world, we have the writer's blocks that tend to come from time to time. Do you, have you experienced any seasons like sustained seasons of, of painter's block or it sounds like maybe you don't, I don't know. No, no. Uh, again, it, it really only happens when I'm, I've got, cause again, I've always got so many pieces in, pro, in progress for every piece that's done. And I've, I've got a body of work now, but there's so many more that aren't done. So I can yeah. pick up any piece and just continue work on it. The only time it really happens if I'm out and about sketchbook and I just have some time to kill. Oh, uh, family gatherings. I've done this. Um, the the family's watching football and that's not really my cup of tea. So I like find a quiet other room and bring the sketchbook. And I'm trying to tune out the football and focus on something to draw. And it's, you know, uh, and then it's like, OK, well, what do I love? Oh, well, I haven't done this scene from Alice in Wonderland or something like that. Sometimes I have to go for the more family friendly stuff in that sort of environment. <laughs> like just in case, like a little nephew comes running up or something. Precisely. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Now, do you is it like a every day, every day you're in the studio thing or does it come in seasons for you? I have some friends who I do better if I'm I'm writing consistently over time. I have some friends who like to block uh, you know, like three months, they're going like balls out just constantly and then take breaks. What does that look like for you? You know, um, I I keep coming back to something. Another creative person I know, a historian who's written a number of books. Um, I was um, talking with him about just all the, it's like, oh, well, I've got to get back from whatever show I was doing or something. And, and, uh, uh, get back to work on this painting I've got at the easel at home. It's two in the morning. I'm going to go home and work some more. Uh, that might've been the context. And he's saying, yeah, when you're in your own boss, uh, your boss is a dick and makes you work weekends and nights. And- <laughs> That's awesome. I'm laughing because yesterday I was annoyed about some things that I was having to do. And I, I was like, you're your own boss. Like you're mm-hmm. literally annoyed with yourself right now. Like, exactly. like you need to go take this up with your boss. Cause why the hell did you make me do this? <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it, man. Now, when I think of, and I have four boys and we're constantly trying to encourage them just like our, one of our main values, the idea of thinking for yourself and thinking critically and, um, and each one of them have their own personalities. And so it's kind of this very personal thing to me as I wrestle out like kids who feel like they don't fit in Mm. how, how they can like push through and not conform, but really embrace who they are while finding joy. Cause it it can be such a hard road. Like I said, I'm, I was more of a people pleaser. So I tried to like maneuver my way through and always wished I could have been like a fuck you. I'm just going to (laughs) go do what I want to do kind of guy. Um, but I just wasn't, but 
what advice would you give? Because I know it sounds like you've walked that road. What advice would you give to someone who's who's younger who might be listening to this? And they they're in a realm. I live in the Midwest, and so arts here sometimes you feel like a square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to someone, a younger artist who who feels and sees that they're different, and but but they want to pursue art or they want to pursue music or whatever that thing is? What advice would you give to them from the road you've walked. Uh, I don't. I don't know if this is trite by now. There was a phrase going around a while ago saying it does get better. Uh, so many of the uh, the uh, insults and such of uh, of school life don't matter anymore after a while. And uh, there's such a bigger world out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and keep going. I, I've been. I've, I've been to. to dark places and in in fourth grade things took a turn and i was about as depressed as i ever was was literally thinking well what am i doing alive for and i but i'm trying to be pragmatic and i'm doing in my head the math well how many years till i'm an adult and i'm past this stuff um stick it out and uh oh yeah when it comes to like say growing up in a in a small town with all of that I, I, I don't, I don't want to say move to a bigger town. Um, <laughs> I don't want to, that's, Some fourth that's, graders that's, like, what the fuck? How am I going to move to another town right now? <laughs> that's, and that's where you have but, to do the math, go, okay, how many years I can tough this out? I can tough this out. But that's, mm-hmm. that's crass. And I don't want to diss the small town to that extreme. I right. do, but I should. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. Uh, we actually moved out of the city into like a smaller area. I uh, kind of live out in the the a rural area now. Once the pandemic hit, uh, just with four boys, we were in a small little townhome. It got insane. We, we literally moved into the townhome because we wanted to downsize. Because I was always touring. We and then if I wasn't touring, I was we were off doing something as a family. We're like, we only need a small little place. <laughs> and then next thing you know, we couldn't leave, and we're all on top of each other. Um, but it it definitely has come with some realities of like, oh man, some things are different and, and people are different. Like not everyone's bad. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a different vibe and different connect. And as I watch my boys grow older, I'm like, man, I want them to feel at home. And sometimes it's like, you know, it's like, well, for college, why don't you guys go this way or that way and, and explore different realms. So, but, but I love that, that perspective that it gets better. And mm-hmm. it really does. It's like constantly we have a high school and we're like, it's like, it's just a lot. High school can be a lot of bullshit. It really can. And, uh, and it's like, it doesn't even matter once you get, once you get out. Like I look back on that stuff that was such a big deal. Um, and it, it really wasn't, but it feels like it's a really big fucking deal when it's happening. You know, <laughs> that's for sure. When, uh, when you think about like diving into the last two questions, Obviously, the podcast being called Live and Create, I, I love the philosophical end of things a lot. Um, when you think of this concept of living a great life, um, how would you define that right now in your life, living a great life? Um, I get to do that. Um, There's something uh, another artist friend of mine was bouncing around um, as a way to kind of keep ourselves motivated. Um, the question, what do I get to create today? And that's, that's an amazing premise right there, just to build from there and, uh, and anything you want, anything at all. Uh, so, uh, 
yeah, I, I can I can explore any avenue. I can uh, vent about this aspect of the world or celebrate that other aspect of the world or build a world of my own. That's that's fantastic. That is a so, great life. So for you, the is it the freedom of it, the autonomy, the freedom and the and here's and here's where it comes back to magic. You can imagine something and you bring it into reality. And I mean, people can call that conjuration, what have you. You're you're making something that people can see, they can they can touch, they can you make music, they can hear it, they can feel it. That's awesome, man. When you think of creating, and it sounds like this kind of it it really merges for you very directly. But when you think of the concept of creating great things, how would you define that? I'm not sure I follow the question. So if so, if someone came up to you and and was like, like, how would you define, um, like, what does it mean to you cr- to create well? Maybe I don't know if that makes more sense. Like, if if you got at the end of the day, you had that idea that you said, I get to create this idea. Then at the end of the day, when you look back and say, I'm proud of that, what mm-hmm. does it mean? Like, what made you proud about that? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that that is, to be able to do that is satisfying, certainly. Um, although, uh, to be honest, I've got a bit of the uh, not uncommon artist curse where I can look at a piece and love it or look at a piece and absolutely hate it and think, oh, I want to redo everything <laughs> or I want to do it from scratch. I want to like take an old painting and go back over it and fix what I think of as mistakes. And I have to keep reminding myself, okay, you evolve, your skills evolve, uh, work on the next piece, uh, which in and of itself is satisfying. What helps you? It, well, so if I hear you right, then I'm trying to construct this well, but in a way it's like, creating great things is really just continually creating. Is that, oh, I, is that I, kind of what you're saying? I can't imagine uh, stopping. I can't imagine retiring. Um, I, I fear I may have to imagine as the hand cramps get worse, but I mean, there's gotta be, you know, there'll be some other way. Although I'll, I'll create in some other form because uh, right. I really can't imagine stopping. That's awesome, man. Any other advice you would give to, to younger artists who are, who are trying to, get out there and, and really create great things? Oh, again, what wouldn't sound trite, but there are things that you pick up and, <laughs> and uh, it works for you. You know, uh, sometimes you pick up a, a, a phrase that may sound tired, but then you find something in it. Uh, right. Um, one, uh, I kind of bounce around both different ways. Uh, they say like, uh, uh, hey, there's no rules to art. And other people say, well, learn the rules so you know how to break them. Uh, I would amend how to break them well. Um, I'm a representative. <laughs> Don't just break them arbitrarily. You're like, that's yeah, just bad. It just doesn't break look them, good. <laughs> break, them with, yeah, break them with intent. Break them well. <laughs> um, and there's honestly a bit of snobbery in that for me. I'm a representational artist, and that's that's my focus. Um, so I do think there is uh, there is something to learning the technical skills. Right. But... Uh, don't get too bound up. Oh, okay. I'll give you an example. Uh, I've had different instructors who would, uh, they'd set you an assignment. You could work within the assignment, create something that they wouldn't have expected, but you're still using the tools they, they, they put forth. 
uh, still following the guidelines. And, they, and I've had them say, well, let's not do anything too crazy when they see what I came up with. Learn the skills and try to tune that nonsense out. Nice. Whatever the hell crazy thing, like, okay, maybe the teacher won't like it, but keep it in mind and use it later. <laughs> so get the fundamentals down, but don't let those voices drown out yeah. your creativity. Right. And that that seems to be such a hard thing in the arts world in general. Everyone has an opinion and art sometimes, most times is very subjective. And and it, it makes me sad for people who might be in a, an area or a group of friends or presented whatever their art or their music was to people that just didn't get it. But the reality is, like you said, it's a big ass world out there. So the reality is, is there's somewhere there's there's people who would connect with it. And it's like, don't don't drown out that unique thing that you have stewing around bouncing around in your brain like actually keep going and keep doing it well and you raise a, a good point um you know when there's you know people feeling they don't fit in or their 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 art is not found the right audience there's a huge wide world out there and somewhere out there is is the audience uh yeah. it may not be the first person you show it to it may not be the 10th person you show it to but the audience is out there right when I remember, even when I was younger, uh, I started singing and someone said, don't quit your day job. I was like, like fourth <laughs> or fifth grade or something oh. like that. And it, it literally, it seems, it seems so silly. Like that one little phrase, a stupid joke that everyone makes all the time, but it like cut me to the core. I didn't sing forever until I was 17 again. And literally have made almost all the money I've ever made in my life off of singing after my, after becoming an adult. And so it's just, it's crazy to think of a young artist or a young musician, someone who those, those tender thoughts and tender creativity things that are going, I'm not even talking very good <laughs> at this moment, but yeah, that, that can get though. squashed down. So I love that you say like, like drown that part out and just learn your craft and, and keep going. It's cause there, yeah, there is an audience if you go and find it, as long as I love that you do drive home though, like, you have to get good at your craft. You know, like if you're a musician, you still have to get good at playing guitar, still good at singing. Well, and I say, I say that like I haven't, uh, you know, banged away this or that like a drunken monkey. I've done that too. <laughs> That's part of the process. You got to, Dave Grohl was like, everyone needs to, you know, if you want to do music, you all need to get in a band. You don't know anything. You guys sound like shit. And that's just part of the process, you know? Oh, let's see. Uh, so a couple of different things. I dropped one thought, but I'll, I'll throw this other one out there. From Adventure Time, uh, sucking at something is the first step to becoming sort of good at something. <laughs> I love it. I'm well, I'll have to clip that one out right there. I'm probably mangling the quote, but it's something along those lines. Well, so everybody used... starts. Go ahead. Sorry. Everybody starts somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I used to teach privately and I would always say we all sucked when we started, like all of us did. And cause you see kids just get so frustrated <laughs> as they're trying to move forward and, oh man. Well, um, let everyone know where they can find your artwork, how they can connect with you. Okay. Um, hallwardhouse.com. So hallwardhouse.com. I know that it trips people up, uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll come right up. Um, there's a red bubble link from there. There's all, it's all over the site. You, if you want to buy a print or something, uh, get it on, get artwork on a mug or a shirt or, uh, even a mask. 
That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for making the time. And uh, I'm sure you're ready to get some rest, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Something like 36 hours. 36 hours. Oh, man. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.